Well, we are in the middle of a summer sermon series that we're calling Peacemakers. It's based on the themes uh, that we did at camp. And so two weeks ago, we explored the word Ubuntu. You remember that word, uh, the Nigerian word, which means I am because of who you are and you are because of who I am. Last week, Marty talked to us about Shalom. And this week, we're talking about Agape. And the whole uh, series, uh, what our kids are learning at camp, it's called Peacemakers, uh, which uh, we've already uh, heard from our song, how important it is for us to practice these acts of peace. And so from different cultures, we're learning different ways to express peace. Uh, The word agape, it might be new to you. It's a word that I actually grew up on. The school I went to from kindergarten to eighth grade, this tiny little imperfect school uh, at my church, uh, Agape Christian Academy. Uh, And so I was speaking in tongues uh, from an early age. Uh, But does anyone know what agape means? Love, you're a smart crowd today. Um, And here's a slightly harder follow-up question. What language is agape? Yeah, mumbles, uh, Greek. It's Greek, yeah. Nine times out of 10, if a pastor asks you what language it is, just say Greek. Uh, Greek and Jesus, those are the two best answers. Um, Now, this is a camp series, so we're going to do some talking back. And now that we can walk around, I have the lapel on, uh, and I'm going to have some lovely assistants come up here in a minute, uh, too. So so get ready to participate. Wake up, Rick. Uh, uh, We're going to talk back today. uh, Agape is that Greek word for love. Um, But it's not the only word in Greek for love. There are, in fact, uh, three Greek words that mean love. Now, what we say in English, we have just one tired word. I love my mom. I love riding my bike. I love pie. I love cheese. I love the dog. I love Marty. One word that expresses so much. Well, the Greeks, they may have been ancient, But their language was much more sophisticated and a whole lot harder to learn uh, than ours. And so they had four aspects of love. And and these get played around like any language. Things are used in different ways. And even in scripture, they're used in a variety of ways. But uh, the first word is storge. So we're going to speak in tongues together today. Say storge. Storge. Storge is that love of possessions or love of things. I love my car. I love my iPhone. I love cheese. I storge cheese. And then there's eros. You might know what that word means. It means passion, where we get that word erotic. Can we say that in church? The kids at camp, uh, to them we called it the gross kissy face love. And they all said, ew. A side story, I, uh, one night at camp, uh, we were at a picnic grove down by Cairo country. We had a cookout and the kids were kind of playing around after they got a little wet. And they were over on a tire swing. Uh, there was a bunch of girls and this one boy. And I went over there to see what was going on. And I asked the boy, I said, what's, what, what's happening? What, what are you doing? And uh, he said, these, these girls, they're, they're so weird. I'm like, what? They are just, they're strange. I said, why are they strange? Well, they keep talking about that, that thing you taught us yesterday. I'm like, what's that? You know, that kind of love, uh, eros. They keep talking about eros and it's just gross. And I said, no, I did not teach you about Eros at church camp. Do not go home and tell your parents you learned about Eros at church camp. So enough about Eros. That is not the point of the lesson today. The third kind of love is a, a philia. Say philia. 
It's where we get Philadelphia, the city of brotherly or sisterly love. It's that word for friendship in Greek. But it can be even deeper than just a basic friendship. It's often used um, in, in, in different uh, writings that talk about uh, war and some of those old Greek things you had to read in translation in high school. Um, philia, phileo, it's the kind of love that happens when you have this deep, deep bond with somebody. And so your comrades, you've fought together, you've endured something, uh, you've been in a struggle together and you know that feeling, whether it's going through school or through some challenge with someone or you have this uh, kindred uh, spirit with someone who, who has struggled with something you've struggled with and there's that deep, deep bond that is phileo, philia. And then the fourth kind of love, which you already learned, agape, Agape. Christians have called this the godlike love. And in a Greek English lexicon, it actually says agape is the love of God for humans and the love of humans for a good God. It is unconditional love, love that's not earned, love that is not uh, love that is not earned, love that is not temporary. It's the way that God loves us. God loves all creation. Agape. And so 1 Corinthians 13, which Margot just read, it says all over the page, agape is patient. Agape is kind. Agape is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. But you could just say God is patient. God is kind. God is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. Fill in the blank with God. And it's all true. As we proclaimed at the beginning of our worship, these truths from several parts in Scripture. First John says that God is love beloved. Let us love one another for love is of God. And whoever loves is born of God. Who does not, whoever does not love does not know God. For God is love. As Jesus told his disciples on the night he was betrayed. As he served them communion and got on his knees and washed their feet. He said, I give you a new commandment. That you have love for one another. That by this they will know that you are my disciples if you have love. Agape. Agape one another, Jesus says, for I have agaped you. This two-way relationship of love of God for us and us for others. Now, I had a little fun with the junior campers when I uh, taught uh, about agape to them. And I thought that I'd bring, not junior campers, but some middle schoolers up here to help me so we can really understand what agape is. Because there's a lot of words in 1 Corinthians 13, but I think they're all kind of summed up in three types of loving actions. And so I wonder, if there are any middle schoolers in the house today? Any middle schoolers that I uh, act like I haven't told you, but you have no idea what you're doing. But, but come up here. Come up here. I know there's, oh, there's one. There's one. And... Uh, there's one hiding right behind the mic and the dug right there. Come here, Kate. So these middle schoolers, they're actually having a mission trip this week. Uh, well, a mission stay. Uh, they're going to be uh, staying at the church for two nights. Uh, and uh, they will be uh, going around the community and serving uh, starting early tomorrow morning. Uh, so, so give a hand to the middle schoolers. And they're going to be showing agape. To the community, so that's why I need you up here so that you can learn what it means. Okay, and so there's three actions. I'm gonna give each of you a word. Okay, you, you two are one word together. Um, but when I think of God, the first thing I think of is grace. Now, you know what grace is? 
Grace crap, right? No. Uh, <laughs> grace is getting something you don't deserve. But it's different than mercy. Mercy is when, like, you do something wrong, and then I'm supposed to punish you, but I don't. You don't get what you deserve. That's mercy. Grace is you do something wrong, and I give you a $100 bill and say, next time you better. I love you. That's grace, right? Unearned favor. And grace is a form of agape. Now, when I think of getting something you don't earn, I think of Oprah Winfrey. You know, anybody remember the Oprah show? You, you guys have seen Oprah? So she did this thing around Christmas, my favorite thing. She gave everybody gifts. And, and sometimes you, everybody would get a car. And you know what she did, did when she, you remember Amy when she did when she gave a car? She said, you got a car. You get a car. You get a car. She pointed everyone. So when I say grace, I want you to point to everybody in this room. Can you do that? Well, just, you know, just keep pointing on it. Just, okay, so grace. Grace. Yeah, yeah. see, you're, you get a car. You get a car. You get a car. All right. Give it up for grace, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Nice. I'm going to look at my notes because this is a hard word here. I'm going to teach you another Greek word. It means, it, it says, splachnizomai. Repeat that after me. No. Never mind. That's too hard for you. Splachnizomai, which is translated in our Bibles as compassion. You are our compassionate one, Katie. All right, can you with compassion? But when you have compassion for someone, what do you normally say? You hear about something, you know, somebody, something's happened in their life. You feel sorry for them. You say, it breaks my heart, right? But in Greek, splatnizomai meant belly, bowels. And so the Greeks, we think emotionalizing the heart. For the Greeks, emotionalizing the stomach. You ever get so sick to your stomach when you see something? They would say, it's, it's literally in the Bible, my bowels moved for you. <laughs> I love you with all my guts. Okay? And so to be moved with compassion, can you do a little drive for us? Come on, I can you for this time. Because I know you can do that. It'd be weird. Just a little? Like, like baby bumblebee. Like baby bumblebee? Right. Yeah. Right. Give it up for compassion. Right. Right. So, so I taught the junior campers this, and I know Finn at least here can testify. Uh, they had to do uh, a campfire, an art project, to kind of show agape. And every single, we had four groups, every single one of them drew a picture of someone vomiting. Uh, and one group uh, had, had the, you know, the emoji with the the green, uh, uh, they had that one, but then they had an emoji with a rainbow on it. And they said, agape is when you see your friend get sick and you get sick with them. And I thought, okay, that's, that's compassion. So, so that's good. Now, now the third one, this is easy. You don't have to do anything. I want you to, well, it's comfort. You gotta hold each other's hands. Just tip You want to So, so just reconciliation, okay? And so reconciliation is what? When you are in strings or something. Um, there we go. Um, so, so pull the scrunchy far apart. All right. And, and now, now get together. Kind of like you're doing a little dance. Just closer. And apart and close. So reconciliation is this bringing close together, right? Which Scripture tells us that we are far from God. We feel that. We feel like you're at a distance sometimes. But agape is all about bringing things together, bringing the pieces, bringing people.
people together, broken relationships, a relationship between God and humans, reconciliation, okay? So agape is grace and compassion and reconciliation. Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, 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 anyway. Um, so agape is grace, agape is compassion, that's the one you'll remember, right? And agape is reconciliation. Now, all these things are part of love. Love is not just a feeling, love is an action. Love is putting this, this godlike love into a physical way where we're actually showing people grace, where we're actually feeling compassion, where you can look at broken things and see how they're coming together, broken pieces of life, broken parts of our world. That's reconciliation. Now, you may have heard uh, on the radio, I heard a number of stories this week or on the news. Uh, this last week was the 50th anniversary of the Stonewall Riots. And maybe it was, it was somewhat new. I, I learned a whole lot about uh, what happened at Stonewall this week as people reflected. They had a number of testimonies of people who were there. Stonewall is seen as the birth of the LGBTQ rights movement. It was a nightclub in Greenwich Village in New York City. It was owned by the mafia. It was one of those quiet places where people who were gay could go and just be themselves. But what would happen often in those days, the police would routinely show up and they would kind of look around and see who was there. People had to sign in to get in and people would, uh, they said, would often leave fake names. There was a lot of Doris Days and Mickey Mouses that attended, they said. The police would come and they would threaten to out everybody who was there if they didn't pay him money. And they would do that. It was a little routine. And they would call ahead the nightclub owners. And they would know it was going to happen that night. And they would be prepared for the payoff. And it would all happen relatively routine. But one night at 1.20 a.m. on Saturday, June 28, 1969, the police showed up. And they were extra brutal that night. They didn't tip off the club owners as they normally would. They brought everybody outside this time in the middle of the neighborhood. People began to gather, 100, 150 people would gather around and watch. And they lined them up and they began to put everybody in paddy wagons. First the nightclub owners and then the patrons. Eventually somebody was just so ashamed at what they saw, they yelled out, gay pride. And then somebody else started singing, we shall overcome, we shall overcome. A riot began to slowly break out. A few people started throwing some bottles the story said they threw nickels at the police. Nobody knew what that meant until later a woman was interviewed and she said, well, we were throwing nickels because that was their bribe. We were paying the bribe. And they began to run and all night it was kind of a, a violent episode between the rioters and the police. It was a dark night, but it was a turning point. Many people said at that point, we didn't have to take it anymore. A year later, in 1970, on the exact same day, there was not a riot, but a parade, the Christopher Street Liberation Day Parade, they called it. From, that, from there, the peaceful pride movement was born. Now, we learned a lot in 50 years. It was amazing listening to some of those stories, and you can just hear the, the sometimes small but dramatic ways 
that we have changed in acceptance, in community, in love, in compassion, beyond tolerance to actually understanding people who are different than us and learning their story. And as I reflected on that and thought about agape, that's what love is. It's growing. It's changing. It's always, there's always an edge to love. It's unconditional. Doesn't mean we always get it right, though. You can't earn a love like this. God gives it to us freely. Sometimes we struggle giving it away to others. We like to put conditions. We like to give grace, but with conditions. We deserve reconciliation. We want it, but don't always give it. And agape pushes us. This God-like love always pushing us. A love that is so great, so beautiful, that it would push God to the very edge of heaven so that God would fall down and become human, become one of us, live with us, struggle with us, share in our humanity, be moved with compassion, Scripture says, when Jesus sees his creation suffer. That's agape. Agape means that you should stand and be proud of who you are because God made you and God is proud of you and God loves you unconditionally. And agape means there's nothing, nothing you could ever do to earn God's love because God gives it freely. It's grace. And agape means that we as God's people, Christ's disciples, should always strive to show that love to one another. As disciples of Christ, our identity statement says we are, we are, uh, we are disciples of Christ. A movement, I don't remember it for a minute, a movement for wholeness in a fragmented world. That reconciliation is the name of our game. We put pieces together because we are Christ's disciples and we are known by love as Christ has loved us. The Apostle Paul says there remains faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love because God is love. And wherever there is love, God is there. Amen? Amen. May it be so.